0: Hello, EKN Nation. Welcome to what is the second edition of my Book It podcast. My name is Rob Howden from eCardingNews.com. Thank you for tuning in to the EKN Radio Network. It's been a long time since we did our first ever Book It podcast. It was a fantastic one, which uh, leads me to wonder why I waited so long to do the next one, mainly because of prep. Uh, It takes a while to, to, to... kind Of get lined up to do a good job of these, I think, and I, I probably was hesitant to jump back in uh, knowing that uh, my time has been limited over the last couple of years. It was actually Matt Jaskell uh, who was our first uh, guest on the Book It podcast. Oh, you may have tuned into that one. We'll bring it back out for you to, to listen to as well from the archive because it was a tremendous opportunity for to do a deep dive into Matt's career and. He obviously talked about a ton of stuff during that book at podcast and maybe I, he almost might've set the, the bar too high for me because I might've been a little, little nervous of not being able to do that again, because he talked all about his racing career, getting started. He talked about his time in the Red Bull driver search, uh, potentially on the line to become one of the next Formula One drivers from America that didn't play out. And, and then we talked a lot about things that happened when the, uh, when the economy crashed in 2009 it was a really, really great interview with with, with uh, Matt. Here we are now, of course, though, in the middle of this coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, it is April the 7th here, 2020. Everybody's on hold. And it really gave me a fantastic opportunity because a lot of the guys I would want to talk to are just as busy as I am. And, and the guy I'm going to talk to here today, folks, is Greg Bell from Leading Edge Motorsports. And I've known Greg for 21, I think 22 years now, going all the way back to the late 90s and the explosion of shifter kart racing uh, thanks to the Janowski family and, of course, the vision of Jim Murley at Supercarts USA as well. Greg was one of the big players coming into the into the game uh, with his Northern California shop. We'll talk a lot about that as well. Uh, we'll roll through the last 20 years. Success, of course, hugely back in the late 90s, and then, of course, last year, Greg and Leading Edge Motorsports, uh, the dominant players in Las Vegas, both the Rock, the Rio, and and the SuperCart USA Supernationals, winning the headline categories uh, at both of those major events. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining me. I know you're there uh, in Lodi, California. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me for the Book It podcast. We uh, we have a long history and lots to talk about. Thanks for joining me, buddy. You're welcome, Rob.
1: Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, obviously laying out a little
0: bit of some of the stuff that that happened, just kind of that that little preview uh, before I ask you for the origin story, which I always do, I want to find out. Actually, I don't even know exactly how you got into motorsports, so I'm actually quite interested in hearing your feedback. Um, let's just ask the overview question first. When you look back at 20-something years in the sport, uh, has it flown by like it has for me?
1: <laughs> uh, it actually was looking back on it here the other day. We've got a lot of time to do that at, yeah. at the moment, and it, it seems like yesterday was gone. I mean, it's just like, it's gone by so fast that you you just don't, you know, three years ago was one day and then, you know, 20 years ago was like, you know, a year ago. Yeah, I I can remember like it was, you know, all the excitement, everything that we've done, uh, all the drivers we've had, all the, all, all the crazy stuff that's, you know, um, been, I guess, uh, experienced, uh, it doesn't seem, I mean, you know, I'm 52 years old. I started this when I was 27. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And right. I, I ne- <laughs> yeah. Never, ever thought, um, that it would take me to the places it's taken me and introduce me to the friends that's introduced me. It's been pretty, uh, pretty cool.
0: You know, that's interesting. Cause I'm 51 years old. So you're only a year older than me. I started the magazine shift the car Illustrated right when I was 30. So you were literally, literally 31. I, I, I don't it's so weird to me to think that you and I were thirty and thirty-one years of age when we were in the middle of the heyday of the explosion of shifter cart racing. I don't know that that's really hard for me to kind of under, to, to 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 fathom. Like, dude, you were a, you were a thirty one year old and we were rocking it. Isn't that wild? Yeah.
1: I mean, we were <laughs> we were we were icons in our own eyes, right? I mean, yeah, well, we were doing yeah. some pretty cool things and we didn't yeah. realize it was cool at the time. We were just going going about it and having fun and uh making memories, which is you know something that I think has kind of lost the sport a little bit in today's era. Um, the the gatherings and the friends and the camaraderie and the, and the experiences and, I mean, you and I bumped drafting in at one on Street complex, going over the bridge doing a hundred miles an hour <laughs> with my rental car and you and you and I think uh, maybe Dave. I think it might have been Mark Miller. It might have been Mark Miller. Mark um, Miller. <laughs> and i mean i'm literally pounding on you in my rental car and you're like just you know pointing me forward and that that stuff was all the time i mean yeah
0: yeah that's true that's the true. Stuff i stuff. I, I think i was patting the back of my head asking for more
1: yeah the stuff we pulled and the things we did and i mean it's just it's different but it, it is uh, it, yeah. it's pretty cool and we had some pretty cool people in the sport then that uh, kind of led the way that were you know kind of our age now you know with yeah. with Mur, uh, not murley but um Uh, John Marcioni and, you know, that, that group of people that, you know, kind of were doing the crazy things already and uh, having fun outside of, you know, trying, trying to race. I mean, we had a lot more time then too. I mean, there was a lot more time to go and enjoy people, have a cocktail after the deal, have a dinner with your team. That's it was, it. It was different times, you know? Yeah. We weren't,
0: uh, we weren't doing the arrive at six o'clock in the morning, leave at eight or nine at night at that point either Where We were, we were done on track at three four four thirty at times. And yeah, we, it was, it was, uh, it was all about sliding down to, to, uh, to Scott Jeffrey's KLS tent and cracking open a Sierra Nevada and, uh, yeah. and, and talking about what happened on the track. And again, remember for those of you folks who, who have been in the sport for less than less than 20 years, um there's a lot of ebbs and flows in our, in our, in our sport back and forth. We're, I always say that we're lucky these last 10 years that supercarts USA has had this organization this pro tour for, for 10 years into their 11th year now, because back in the nineties and two thousands, it was like a four year deal. Then everybody started, there was a lot of unrest and then somebody new kind of take took over and then somebody new took over. And there really wasn't a lot of chance to build a lot of continuity that we've had, but, but, with the ebbs and flows, ups and downs, of course the you know the economic recession in 2008-2009 that was kind of the end of that first decade greg that, that we were involved in but if you if you look at highs and lows and we'll, I'll, we'll talk about you we'll get into your origin story pretty soon though that that 97 98 99 2000 was this huge rush up for shifter kart racing and it was all based on the Honda CR125 obviously there was Yamaha some guys had uh, the Kawasakis as well but it was a, it was it was a time I think that we all realized that we were involved in something that was new to a certain extent. There was uh, enough of the big players got behind it. Track Magic being one of them, obviously. John Marchione with JM Racing and Tony Kart being another. The Burrell guys. There, there was a lot of people, big people, behind it that, that really got behind the Scuzo Promoto Tour. Yeah, we didn't have a. There wasn't 170 people at those Promoto Tour races. There was probably. 120, I think, would, would be probably a good number of what we saw over the four classes, maybe even less than that. But it was just, it was a time where I think everybody involved knew knew that they were involved in something special and they were kind of hitching their horse to whatever Jim Murley was selling, his vision of what he thought carding could be. And then, of course, at the Supernats moving into to the Rio, just those years. There was probably five years there where I think we were all just hoping to hold on to the star that was shooting through the sky.
1: You know, Rob, I think if you look back on that, and uh it, it was definitely a, a golden part of, of ship for cart racing. Um, but if you look back on that, you know, you, you say a hundred to hundred and twenty entries, but w- you know, we had five five classes, yeah. you know, we had pro and then we ended up doing a semi pro, uh, and then eighty pro and then eighty junior and then 60, 60 yeah. junior. That's five classes. That's what we were in. There was no masters. I mean, if you look at the, the number per class that we, that we achieved then, I mean, I remember ro- rolling into Talladega and some of those tracks on the East coast. Cause it, it, b- back then it was an East coast, West coast split, but the big teams, including ourselves, you know, we did all eight races yep. and, um, but you know, at that time, I mean, we were getting numbers, you know, in the, in the. Pro 125 deal of you know, there's a hundred entries. I mean it, it wasn't a it, w- it it was bigger than we remember then, like at a well, at the, the big race, like the at a at a at a world finals or supernats. I mean, you know, there was a hundred entries in a class, and you know, there's still only five classes. So, I mean, I think our biggest supernats ever, which was back um I think when Jim was doing it, we were we were pretty close to three fifty or four hundred entries.
0: Yeah, you're right. I, a race like the the uh, the World Finals in Oklahoma was, again, it was more like, like I said, somewhere around the 120 mark because it was the end of the season, of course, right? Some yeah. guys weren't in it anymore. Yeah. But, but there, dude, there was, you know, we had, there was big names. We are still getting high 20s, low 30s for some of these events. And at yeah. and, and that point, that was still a, a big race, right? Yeah. We didn't have, a regular pro tour race, a promoter tour race didn't usually have, didn't have 55 guys in a class like we do nowadays. So there is a lot of a great momentum, but let's, so let's, Let's digress. Let's stop yep. here. Of course, I want to hear more about Greg Bell. I want to hear more more about Leading Edge. Cool. Uh that that 27-year-old, how the how the heck did you find yourself getting into karting industry? How did you get into motorsports? It, it, was it something that you did as a kid all the time? Well, how, how no. did you get into this?
1: No, actually, it's kind of a weird story. Um, I I've worked from an early age. So, you know, at 16, I was taking half days off of school um, or 17 or whatever, probably 17 half days off school as a junior and going to work and, you know, construction industry for the first, like three or four months. And then I went to work at auto body, a paint, uh, company, um, big custom company here in town. And, and the painter of that company, uh, George sweat, who, you know, yeah, I looked up to all these guys. I mean, I had a guy, you know, a Harley Davidson guy building a a one-off chopper out of the shop. And then George had, you know, he, he raced, uh, what they called speedway carts at the time with like one thirty five daps on them. Yeah. I'm like, you know, anything motorsports in my mind was cool, is cool. You know, so uh I used to tag along with George and go to the oval races on the weekend up at Chico and whatnot and do that stuff. And and then he gave me an opportunity in my senior year to drive one. And I was like, holy man, mackerel, this thing badass. And I raced out a couple of times when his brother couldn't race and that we had a good time doing that. And then Uh, an air came where, you know, the outlaw cart, which is very, you know, today it's very, again, you know, popular. I mean, there's, they're all over the country, but then it was just like a small group of guys that were, you know, coming in from the speedway stuff and going into the outlaw world, outlaw cart world, you know, CR 500s, YZ 400s and things of that nature. And I was probably one of the first guys, you know, after him doing it for a year, I'm like, well, I'm buying one. So right out of high school, I bought one. And my first race, um, and you know, the Edie, you know, Steve and Brian Edie, but that of was course, before, yep. that was before Brian was born. So Steve, I bought my, my first outlaw cart off of Steve Edie, went to his garage, picked it up. And I'm looking at him like going, you know, there's a race in Reno this weekend. And he's like, yeah, there is. And I said, are you going? He goes, well, I wasn't planning on it. And I'm like, well, here's the deal. I'll buy it today, but I don't have a truck. So I need a way to get it to Reno. And he goes, I'll drive a know for you. <laughs> I love it. And that was my, that was my, you know, kind of like my start. I mean, you know, I've never driven one of these things before. I barely fit in a thing, had to cut the side of the seat out. Cause it was the wrong size seat. We <laughs> go to this fairground race and, uh, you know, the guy that got me into it, George sweat and, uh, I finished first and second, we took like $5,000 home for the, for the, you know, purses of first and second, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was a huge payday. Uh, super cool. And everybody's looking at me like, where'd you come from? I'm
0: like,
1: (laughs) I don't know. I just, try it." now these are these, these are the cage carts, right? With the
0: the, the chat, with a cart chassis, but with the floating, the floating cage on top. That's right. Allows them to flex still. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, I did that until shoot. So 85, 86, probably like 85 through 88. I, I, I race those and then got married and, uh, Well, no, I was racing when I got married. So it kind of went through 90. And then, of course, you know, we got Molly got, you know, pregnant with Marissa really quick. And, um, you know, she used to come to some of the races in Red Bluff, but it wasn't her deal because it was midnight and, you know, that's right. Quite degrees below zero, it felt like half the time because it was winter racing indoors. And she's like, you know, I'm just not into this. I'm like, that's cool. I'm going to sell it. And then I bought jet skis and started racing jet skis.
0: Wow. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. So I right. raced jet skis competitively for, uh, two or three years and then, uh, helped a few guys out on pro to you know, pro jet ski tour that were friends of mine that I raced with that I, so I travel with those guys and help them mechanically and the holding and everything like that. Back in the, back in the days when, you know, Vanilla Ice and stuff was still racing that stuff. So like yeah. those, you know, those guys are on the grid right next to us all the time.
0: Dude, it was one, and, of the, one of the first things I ever covered was jet ski racing up in Canada.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> Dustin Farthing, all those big names. I mean, they were right there with us, you know, that was when they were getting their start into the pro stuff. And yeah. so then, uh, right after that, a uh, couple of years of that, um, I said so they put an indoor track in Cal Expo, which is in Sacramento and that's what introduced me to asphalt. And I built at the time I was building, uh, our own cage cart stuff me and steve Eady, and we decided i decided like let, I'm just let's bend up an asphalt cart so we took like an old mx star or something and kind of looked at it and did, did our own thing to it and put it together and um put a kt100 on it and you know i'm i'm at cal expo now right and uh and this and is indoor, all-
0: a- indoor asphalt
1: Indoor asphalt at Cal Expo. So they have all <laughs> these, they have all these show barns or like, you know, two, 300,000 square feet that are just pole barns. Yeah. And uh, Mike Derogier, when I met Mike, um, he was putting these asphalt deals together indoors on the winter. So it'd be just awesome. a bunch of guys, no racing, just out there having a good time. And, you know, we're sitting there and I'm, you know, Ronnie Emmick's there one night and he's got this 135 DAP that's on alcohol that's just like, you know, earth-shaking fast, and I mean, this guy is like, you know, insane fast around this track. And I'm just like, it just—I fell in love. I was like, this is just insane. And then, you know, a couple nights of that, and then we're there one night, and the guy's got an 80 shifter. I'm like, Uh-oh. went up and talked to the guy. I'm like, you know, think there's any chance I can drive that? And he goes, Yeah, I've been watching. You're good, good enough to you know, jump in it. And I was hooked. Shifter cart racing became part of my life, and. Wow. Um, Bought an 80 from track magic. George Barrows. We're at Dixon. I'm not even in the sport yet. I mean, I'm 26, 27 years old and I'm, you know, I'm barely, I've never driven an asphalt cart in my life. Right. So I do the indoor deal. um, Then realize early, you know, early on, I'm like, I need something that's, you know, a bit better than a homemade garage deal. And, uh, went and George Barrows was out there with some guys testing for the factory track magic team and i walked up to him and i think Fosto was there um he may not have been it might have been one of the other guys that from the shop and you know i bullshitting with him and whatnot and you know i bought my first track magic that day and i'm like you know i'm interested in becoming a dealer what's it take And he told me i'm like yeah i'm interested i'll come to the shop next week and what year is this what year is this Ninety. Six or ninety-seven. Wow. Well when was WKA when WKA went to uh early on it did a tour and we we went to Vegas out by uh, Buffalo Bills. We we're at Buffalo Bills parking lot. Yeah, we did that, uh yeah. Iowa. There were a couple think that other was,
0: Might have been I was either ninety six or ninety seven.
1: Yep. yep. So that's that's you know when I kind of did that. So ninety it would have been the year before that. I became a dealer and I mean, everything happened. It was crazy how fast it happened. I mean, I'm sitting here racing myself for a year. So maybe even 95. I think the first card I bought from Georgia was 95. And it was a 95, uh, one of the factory carts from uh, one of the kids that was driving for him at the time. And um, bought it, got an 80 for it, started playing around with the tracks and whatnot. So I spent a year doing it myself and then, you know, selling it off and on a little bit stuff here and there. And I ran into a kid, uh, not a kid. I mean, he may have been a kid. He's kind of our age. Um, (laughs) it's so crazy, but, uh, Billy Bowerman, who was a national RC car racer. Right. And he was playing around and he met me at the track and, you know, we jived and I kind of, had my 80 there already. And I'm like, you know, would you be interested in racing it in the IKF series? And he goes, yeah. So that was the next year to where I got Billy and a few other guys, like pretty immediately just from being at the racetrack. And then that, that relationship got me hooked into, um, Eric Davis out of Colorado, who was a multi-time world champion RC car racer. And, So Billy got me hooked on to him, did a deal with him to race track magic 125 stuff. And he was as meticulous as I am. So he did that for a year in Colorado, got me set up pretty quickly as, you know, the shop to go to, even though we're in California. I mean, we were selling, we were shipping, you know, probably five or six carts a month to Colorado. It was pretty crazy times. Yeah, it was good. Were you building your uh, own
0: motors at that point too?
1: No, still using Barrow stuff. And then he was actually on Banky okay. at the time, but he was dominant yeah. there. I mean, he was super fast and super friendly and, you know, he just, it clicked, right? He does everything. He just did everything right. And that led me to my first dealer out of Colorado. Um, there was a small motorcycle shop. And that guy, um, which it, you know, it ended up kind of bad, but we we ran a lot of sales through that place. I mean, insane sales. I and mean, we were at the time, you know, we, we would pre book orders out of track magic in um, October, November, and I would put 120 chassis on order in October. And that's unbelievable. So what, that oh, was crazy. I mean, that, that was not my first year, but once we started rolling, we had a dealer in Colorado and then that dealer led to, and then, and then, uh, Trent blue did it for a little bit as, you know, with mile high carding as a, as a side, you know, they raced with us on, on the side. He was originally a dealer, a, a customer. And then we set him up to do dealer stuff after the deal fell through with, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the, of the shop. And then we got hooked in with Sun Honda, which is just a huge Honda, Yamaha, Kawasaki dealership. So we were Like we were the first, really the first besides Kawasaki and probably SSC to place, you know, turnkey carts on a showroom floor of a a major dealership. So that was pretty cool because Bowden at Sun Honda that, I mean, we got all of our 125s from him. So we did a deal to where this was his price on chassis. This was my price on engines. And that kind of, that's kind of when all that blew up and we were, you know, starting to do engines and we were supplying engines to a lot of the shops and, and we said, we, you know, we networked it. And, you know, I, I think back then, and I'm just like, you know, I am still doing it with, you know, myself and like one other employee or, and at the time, you know, up until about 2000, it was just me and one employee.
0: Hey, you were like, you went from like zero to hundred miles an hour faster to car, a shift the cart for God's sakes. Like you literally went from, Hey, I like this. This 80 looks pretty cool to, to be in, Dropping a hundred and something carts
1: and engine built for like in like four years. Not even four years. It was two years. Oh, that's unbelievable. That's I mean, Fausto told me we sat down, I sat down with Fosto one day at the end of the year meeting and he was looking at me and he's, you know, no, none of those meetings were ever pleasant. They were always, you know, Fausto's way of telling you you're a fuck up and this way you need to do different. <laughs> and, uh, I had a I,
0: conversation like that up with the magazine. Trust me.
1: Oh my God. I mean, it's just crazy. And you know, my first meeting with that guy, and George Barros, I wanted to kill him, you know, and George looked at me, he goes, just take a breath. We'll go have dinner, call him tomorrow. Like he asked you to try to figure out what he's talking about, you know, and kind of getting the chills talking about this. Cause I miss, I miss the guy, but, um, yeah. you know, next day I called him at his office, which, you know, only probably only 10 people had his direct line in his office. I'm one of them. I called him I'm like, okay, this is what you want me to do. And he goes, man, that didn't take long. I'm like, that's cool. All you do is ask. And basically, that's what he said. He goes, stop fucking running on my coattails. I'm like, what? I'm "I'm selling 120 chassis a year for you. And he's like, you know, you'll still sell 120 chassis, Greg. Brand yourself. You don't need to be sitting on the line in front of me with a track magic like my track magic. Brand leading edge motorsports. And And that was the beginning of what we were able to put together for the next like five years.
0: You know I'm, uh, and it was I, it was a pretty, grabbed, pretty hey, cool listen. opportunity. So and that that was what it was the interesting thing because I grabbed as we started I grabbed issue number six of Shifter Card Illustrated and it was November '99 and it's it's uh, the front cover is the dynamic duo and it's Jason Lapointe mm-hmm. and Trevor Trevor McAllister and it was Track Magic's two team yep. attack right because there was Track Magic with Jason and Oliver Rowan and and whoever else they had in the, But then there was you leading edge motorsports as like a, you know, a works factory team as you kind as you and I kind of worked to, to, yep. to market it as, and yeah, there, listen, to be honest, you took it to the, the factory team. You know, that was, the, that was the great thing. Not only, it's not like you were a second level team. The minute you hooked up with Trevor Midway, Trevor McAllister, midway through two thousand ninety nine. I mean, 1999, you guys went on a tear. You won two of the biggest races at the end of the year. I think, I think you throw the Momo Grand Prix in there as well the amount of races that you guys were able to win when you guys came together was astonishing. Just, it was a, like a match made in heaven. You guys just automatically clicked and went at it. That was a crazy
1: year, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was pretty amazing. So let's talk about how that happened really quick. So the year before that, Eric Davis wanted to go on part. Yeah. So Eric Davis wanted to go on tour and go run the WK stuff in 98. And so at the end of 97, was when i you know we were doing so well eric's like hey would you go to these wk races with me and help me help me you know tune the chassis i'm like yeah i'll fly into those that would be cool i mean i owe it to the guy right he sold probably sold 50 go-karts right um and he was on a free ride like he would call me up he goes, what do i owe you for the two go-karts you just sent me i'm like they're yours right and he goes yeah i said you don't owe me anything that's yours i mean i was that's how soon i was like full sponsoring people right that's just that just yeah. uh, you always give back and that's the biggest problem with our sport today there's no giving back it's it's very rare you find an you know an industry or not an industry but you know a company or a entity that gives a ton back it's all me 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 it's crazy to me you know that's one thing that Fosto instilled is like you have to give back otherwise it will never grow you have to give back. Right. Yeah. So anyway, off of that deal. And then um, give me the scoop on this deal. So we did the Eric Davis deal. We did like three races. You know, did okay. Weren't like catching the barn on fire or anything, just did okay. And when we were in Iowa, uh Ohio Iowa? Iowa. It uh Marshall's the, the name of that track. Shoot, it might have even have been the same year that you and I and George Barrows ran the drilling car off into the levee. <laughs> I don't know, but that <laughs> Mar- was another Marshall, story.
0: You're, you're thinking about Marshalltown
1: yeah so um yeah, so you know, I met Trevor McAllister and Bill talley at that race. that was you know ninety eight yeah and then ninety nine um you know Eric didn't want to do anything because I think he was starting to do family and um everything was cool, you know, just focused on the local shit again and having fun and and uh I get this call out of nowhere from Trevor Mcallister and uh he's like, it might have even been super Nats. It wasn't supernats. It was a U.S. U.S. deal that. Um, oh, in ninety seven. Yeah. Yeah. It was. You know it know what was talking about. Yeah, yeah.
0: It was. Who, it, was it was. It was still the did Super, that. Yeah, it was. It was still the supernats. I think. Remember Hollis Brown was involved in it. Hollis Brown. Yeah, Hollis and, Brown, and, and, and then the other guy. Don, Don Janowski Don Janowski was still involved as well. And I don't. I don't know yeah. that West. West Gibbs was involved in that at that point. I'm not sure.
1: I'm not sure either, but so that we were at that race. So I, you know, originally met those guys in, in Iowa at, at, uh, and then we went to Vegas and they were pitted right across from us. So, you know, we cheated and chatted a lot. And the next year, 99, I think he went, I think Trevor went to the first round with champion racing. And, uh, you know, at that point we we're friends with all these guys, right? So, you know, my big thing in business is don't burn the bridges. that's going to, you're going to be working with for a long time. And that's, you know, so when Trevor called me, uh, early on in 99, it was like right after the tornado at, at, uh, Oklahoma motorsports, you yeah. know, that year, yeah. the first round of, of, I guess you would call it pro tour. Right. Uh, I don't think they had it the year yeah. before. I think that was the first year. Um, so Trevor calls so that was me. The first, 90, 99 was the first year. Yeah. So Trevor calls me and he goes like, Hey, he goes, you know, why aren't you racing? I'm like, I oh, don't have a driver and I don't have, uh, you know, no driver, no racing he goes, well, you know, Champion and I are splitting up. I'm like, oh yeah, why is that? And, you know, he's like, yeah, it's just not working out. I'm like, okay. So, for, you know, me, because I, you know, appreciate everybody's friendship, I called Rodney and Dub And I'm like, hey, so what's the story with this kid? Uh, he's a handful, blah, 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 hothead. I'm like, okay. I, I said, so you cool if we, I do something with them? And, you know, Rodney's like, yeah, go for it. You know, take your chances. A like, good deal, you know. At the time, I you know, we don't have, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not made of money. I mean, I'm still not made of money. Twenty years later, it's still the same game, right? It's just you know, rob Peter, pay yeah, Paul, pay your true. pay your bills, and have a little left over, live a decent life. Um, nobody's getting rich in karting. I, I at least I don't think so. Um, and I brought. I told Trevor. I said, listen. I said I can't just race you if you want to. If you want to come to California and work at the shop. I will pay you $450 a week and race you. That's what I can do. And a week later, he was at my front door. Wow. Didn't even tell me he's coming. He shows up. I'm like, you're kidding me. And the back of his, you know, the way we did everything the, you know, the back of his Chevy pickup with the camper shell on it was, was a go-kart, all his go-kart stuff. and, uh, actually, I don't know if we had a go-kart in there. He may not have anyway, maybe, maybe not. And, uh, it just packed and he literally, you know, he, he literally put, we put a bed in my kitchenette area of my first shop and that's where he lived. He lived in my shop, you know, wow. and then come over, come over to the house. Cause I didn't know the guy at that time, you know, now we're, you know, dear friends and I trust them with my life and my whole family. But then I didn't know. So the first two weeks he's living in my shop and then I moved it into the house and I'd pay him to go racing. I mean, I'd give him, give him money to go, you know, first race after we got together was, uh, Reno was the next stop. Um, I realized early on that we had a power issue because it was, you know, just his, his engine stuff. And I did a deal with George Barros, like, we need your power. And we didn't have all of it at the beginning. Like, we didn't have all the power that, you know, Jason LaPointe had early on that time. So we got the, but the first time we bolted on the Barros Honda, we literally kicked everybody's ass. It was like, you know, we did two races. We did the first, no, the first race was right out of the gate. And I think that was, uh, South Bend and he almost won it. And the tire blew up on him. Why, why, you know, tired Bridgestone blew up on him. So he, de- I rem- yeah. the deal. I remember that. Otherwise yeah. he was going to win. And, and, uh, I, I wasn't there. He was out there doing everything himself. Cause I couldn't afford to fly in at the time. The second round was Reno realized we needed horsepower. Third round we went to was Pat's acres. And that's where the light light switch flipped. And we got the new barrows power dominated there. Went to um, the next round, which I think, I think the next thing after that was the World Finals.
0: Uh, it was the World Finals? Yep.
1: Yep. And we pitted inside the barn at you know Oklahoma Motorsports Complex, and um, which kind of leads me on to mm-hmm. my next story. So we dominated. We kicked ass there. Kicked ass at Momo Grand Prix, um, and then the next year was still you know that next year coming two thousand. And I remember, um, I remember meeting Michael McDowell and Billy McDowell because they were pitted in the stall right across from us at Oklahoma Motorsports Complex, right? Yep. So we, I, I don't think Trevor and I we didn't Trevor and I didn't win SuperNats that year. I think we had a we had a problem. No, Mamo won was, last you know, but year, but we, we we did like three out of three races. Say that again. Rob?
0: I said, Mamo, Mamo won. Yeah. Yeah. We had a little bit, a little bit of connection issue. I can hear you. Can yeah. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah. Yes, I can. Yeah. You guys, you so, guys, yeah, Mamo won that eight, year that year. And I, I think we were like, yep. yeah, eighth and we had a little bit of complications. Um, but you know, we were, uh, having fun, right. Everything was good. And, uh, and then I, I, I in Vegas that year, I got a Bob Wilson walks up to me. And now, you know, that year, I mean, it, the two years before 99, you know, we didn't have a tent or anything. I think 90, 99 was the first year we put a tent up kind of had more of the drivers under our tent and kind of a bigger team presence, um, which was really cool back then because it, it wasn't really like us facilitating the team. It was everybody showing up at the same event with all their equipment and we were just managing each individual you know, pod of the team kind of deal. That's it. Yeah. So it was really cool. And uh, <clears throat> I think that in 99, we won with Brett Buckwalter in the 80 deal, right?
0: Indeed. Uh, yep.
1: I think so. And he was under our tent at that deal. And, you know, that's what a lot of people forget is that 80 was a huge part of the shifter cart culture.
0: Indeed. In, yeah, big In time. the
1: early 97, 98, 99. And it, I mean, all the way up until about probably 2003 Four, three or four. I mean, it's just. I mean, and all of a sudden, I think somebody had the brilliant idea that it was too fast for the juniors, and they, I can for somebody else canned it, and that was kind of the demise of the growth. But, um, where was I? Oh, so Matt Michael McDowell, after you know doing a deal with Bob Wilson for the East Coast, and then Michael called me, or Billy actually called me, and we did a deal, and that's when Trevor. And I split up and, uh, he went and did his own deal. And then Billy McDowell moved from Arizona to California to work for me. And then his brother, and it, I mean, Billy's 18 years old. He's moving out of his, out of his house to California, getting an apartment at 18 years old. I mean, just crazy. The guy, the kid's always been advanced in getting things done. And so that was that, you know, so flying back and forth racing, you know, Bobby Wilson on the East east and then um doing doing McDowell on the West. And that was you know, that was kind of the beginning of more cool shit to come down the pipeline.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot. And, folks, stay with us because we're going to get back into it. We're going to talk a little bit more about those uh, early 2000s, and then we're going to transition, Greg, into talking more about how things have gone over the last number of years because uh, the wins continue to rack up for a guy who's been around this sport for over 20 years. Folks, this is episode number two of the Book It podcast, a conversation with Rob Howden, Greg Bell from Leading Edge Motorsports, longtime friend of mine, now joining me today here on the EKN Radio Network. Stay with us. After this break, more from Greg Bell. as a world leader in personal racing safety products with the sales and service staff and dealer network unmatched in motorsports, Simpson Performance Products is now the official North American distributor for Stilo helmets. In addition to their wildly popular auto racing helmets, Stilo is extremely excited to have made their move into the karting community with a pair of stellar options. Stilo has two helmets designed and manufactured specifically for karting. The Stilo ST5 CMR 2016 for Kids, and the Stilo ST5 Kart Snell K 2015 Adult Karting Helmet. The company's karting helmets are directly derived from Stilo's auto racing helmets that are so popular at the top levels of racing. Drivers rave about the superior comfort levels, as well as Stilo's lightweight construction and unparalleled field of vision, a crucial attribute for karting. For more information on Stilo, check them out at SimpsonPerformanceProducts.com slash Stilo or by following them on social media at Stilo USA. 25 years of experience, 25 years of success. Greg Bell and Leading Edge Motorsports are heading into their third decade in the sport, with winning momentum and the best material possible. Last year's monumental victories at the Rock the Rio and Super Nationals have proven what the sport has long known. Greg Bell is one of the finest karting tuners, and he and his drivers can get the job done. Looking for a change in equipment? Get on board with Leading Edge Motorsports. Leading Edge is North America's factory team for Formula K and Praga karts, and the new 2020 models are in stock and ready for pickup or shipping to your garage. Do you want to win like Danny Formal did with Leading Edge in Las Vegas? Call Greg Bell today at 209-369-0921 to secure your place on the team. Leading Edge Motorsports will be trackside in 2020 at the Challenge of the Americas, Skuza Pro Tour and California Pro Car Challenge, Rock Sonoma and the KPX Carding Championship in NorCal. From Rock to Miami to Briggs, Rely on Greg Bell and Leading Edge Motorsports to give you everything you need to step into the winner's circle. Check out LeadingEdgeMotorsports.com to learn more. Welcome back to episode number two of the Book It podcast, a conversation with Rob Haddon. Greg Bell from Leading Edge Motorsports joining us. Got a chance to go through the origin story of Greg going back uh, 20-something years, talking about how he got into the sports. Uh, the heady days of the SuperCart USA Promoto Tour, running guys like Trevor McAllister and Bobby Wilson and uh, Michael McDowell, who, of course, is a longtime NASCAR driver now. Michael was uh, one of the top young drivers back in the day. Uh, I, I want to say uh, one of a couple of big races as well, but always great with uh, with with leading edge. Greg, let's dive back into uh, – I want to talk a little bit about 2001 because that was an unbelievable year for you as well. You talk about how you keep transitioning. And you know, looking at some of these pictures, uh, one of the big things, of course, for 2001, uh, the magazine Shifter Card Illustrated that, that I had it had been around for three or four years at that point, And our Excellence Awards were one of the things that uh, we gave out every year. And I'm looking at a picture of you here holding up the big trophy and the team. You guys won Team of the Year. Uh, that season and man, it it was, it was a great season throughout the entire program. It wasn't just the stuff that you guys were doing at the top level with Ronnie White and stuff, but it was other guys that you had all the way through S2 juniors. You really had a a cross section of a team at that point that was just absolutely stellar.
1: Yeah, that was a pretty good year. I mean, they were all good. They were all good. You know I mean? I But that, um. That was another weird deal. I mean, I'm walking with you know, racing Michael McDowell at I think probably round three, and we're at uh, track down south um, by the coast there, um, and I'm with my Molly and the girls at that time. That's one of the only pro tour races they've they went to, just because you know, girls don't dig racing at all that much, and uh, shopping's more fun than watching dad work. But so we're tra- walking across, I remember this kid and, you know, it was Ronnie White at the time who I didn't, I've never, never saw him. He was a road, road racer more so than a sprint racer. And indeed, yep, he was, uh, he was there racing, you know, pro motor tour and he, you know, you don't really realize who you are in a sport and you, you know, and I'm definitely not one to, you know, think I'm any, any, you know, bigger than anybody else that you know, walks the same dirt that I'd work, you know, I mean, we've all done things that are cool in life. Right. And, um, I, you know, this kid, you know, kind of small at the time, um, you know, tugs on my shirt or whatever. And he goes, Hey, you're Greg Bell. I'm like, yep. And he goes, I'm Ron, I'm Ron white. I'm like, okay, cool. What's up? Just like that. Right. And he goes, well, I'd really love to have the opportunity to drive for you. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, Hey, I'm really busy right now. Give me a call next week at the shop. Here's my cart. Right. And I watched him that weekend. Um, he was on an invader, you know, definitely wasn't lighting the world on fire, having a lot of mechanical issues. And, um, he called me at the shop and, you know, I already had two drivers. I mean, what am I supposed to do? I'm not, you know, I don't, I can't do three. I mean, I'm insane. And at the time Trent blue blue was with us and, um, You know, we, um, we did a deal. I'm like, why don't I let Ronnie drive for you at, um, and I think we were the first race we did, we were at, uh, I was with Bobby Wilson and he was racing for Trent under, you know, my help. I, you know, gave Trent a chassis to use. So Ronnie had a chassis and, um, we, we were at, um, Rock Island Grand Prix. Okay. Right. And, uh, We literally, I mean, Fosto was there. I mean, who's this, who's this little kid that you just, you know, helped out Greg. I'm like, Oh no, we're going to see right now.
0: <laughs> and I think
1: Ronnie almost put threw it on pole, you know, hits a barrier in the race, takes, takes the car and, you know, maybe totals it, maybe not. I don't really remember. And Foster looked at me and he goes, um, whatever he needs, just let me know. I'll take care of it. Wow. I'm like, what do you mean? And then he goes, well, he goes, there's something in that kid. He's definitely trying to prove himself. We, If we calm him down and give him the tools, I think he's, I think he could be something with us. I'm like, cool. So that was that, you know, so he finished racing the year with Trent and then came on to our program. So that was kind of cool too, because then Trent, you know, we could put drivers with Trent and then that would then, you know, stepping stone to leading edge and then leading edge to factory track magic. If you know, Fosto saw something in them. Right. And, uh, so that's just kind of the way the, the hierarchy worked and, you know, it was good for everybody. I mean, everybody involved was, it was super, super positive. And, well, it's uh, interesting,
0: Greg. That that year, remember, two thousand one. That was a year that, if people look back and maybe don't know about it, that's when Scott Speed kind of dominated the action yeah. with with his uh, JM Racing Tony cart with the big Sweet Tech Hemi. That thing was a rock yep. star. Yep. But the lineup that you had, and the, you know, obviously, what, what played for you to be able to get Team of the Year that year, it was it was it was a it was a, prog- it was a progression where you guys proved that it didn't matter who was in your cart. They were going to do well. It was Greg. It was, uh, it was Trevor McAllister the one year. And then as you said, then it was Bobby Wilson in the East and Michael McDowell. Then you show up in 2001 and hey, let me just throw some names out here. Forget the, Cause you had both Ronnie white. Then you also you actually had Joe white running with you as well. Yep. yep. Uh, you had in the S two class you had, or S one class at that point. S one was the semi pro because the super pro class was, uh, that mm-hmm. was launched. You had Tyler Lewis yep. and and Courtney weeks, the young lady from Colorado. and, and they were, you know, both kind of on the same level where they were top ten and getting better. Yep. You had Brian Eady running in the K one class. Yep. So you were winning races in K one, and then you had, like you said, you were you were connected with Trent Blue at Mile High Carding, and he had some kid named Preston Peebles out of Texas. Yep. Uh like every race you guys showed up to, you were bagging podiums, running top fives, and getting race wins again. You yep. know, it was just it was. it was the collective effort of I think three or four years for you where you were able to bring everybody back together and all of a sudden had this major year where you guys became a powerhouse.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the way it worked. I mean, it it all kind of goes in flow, right? I mean, if you're not winning the year before you're really not getting any kind of traction the year after. And, um, you know, so we did that and we did a really good job of doing that. And, uh, it paid off for many, many years. It really wasn't until 2003 where, I just kind of got burnt out and decided it was time to take a back seat. And I took a couple of years off, but you know, 2001. Yeah. I mean, it, we did a lot of accomplishments. I mean, you know, like you said, team of the year, um, a lot of wins, a lot of second places at Scott speed, the little, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, like you said, he had a hemi sweet tech on it. And the program that we put together part, part of our success was getting George Banky. He wanted to do our engines, and, uh, our first, our first, uh, ordeal uh, testing, we're like, okay, we have something here. And then we went, uh, to one of third street complex and, you know, wasn't, you know, I think we hurt something and then the stuff we put on wasn't quite where it needed to be just because of some, you know, issues and consistency. And, uh, throughout the year, we just kept working super hard with george and he never gave up and we you know i'd I'd park ronnie on the dyno at george's place in reno for days i mean it just go and go and go and i remember one night it's like four in the morning and ronnie calls me and he's like uh greg i think we have something i'm like what do you got and he goes well i pulled this pipe down off the wall and i ran it on the dyno and it was just just it's humongous greg it's huge what we've you know because at that at that time, we were all running like, you know, the RLVA pipes, you know, the all skinny long pipe kind of deal. Yep. And like JM ran and we, we found this big body pipe that George had made up and it didn't work right at the time. And Ronnie sticks it on there, adds a bunch of fuel to it. And all of a sudden it's like, wham. I mean, we had something that was just close to what Scott had. Didn't still, you know, still killed us down the straightaway. But when we went to uh, Oklahoma that year, we were able to run with Scott. I mean we were the we were close, right? And um we ended up uh I think we ended up second at the worlds and which was still a huge accomplishment because you know look at what Scott's done in his life. I mean it wasn't a fluke that he was winning races. No, no doubt. And yeah. uh and and with the, you know, partnership with Sweet Tech, I mean he had he had a really good package under him. And, yeah, uh, people,
0: Greg, people, to, to say this, people don't realize that this wasn't the days of stock Honda where everybody had a pretty equal package. This no. was the days where, where people were spending time on the dyno left and right. These things, our CR125s were pinned to the, the limit. They were. You guys were trying different pipes, making up new pipes. You know, Rainy eventually went to the, the, the copper inserts inside because right. we were blowing motors. Like these things oh. were on the ragged edge to try to find speed and power.
1: They were making big power, make big big, big <laughs> torque. Really, really difficult to drive. The chassis today wouldn't even hold a candle to how they needed to handle then. Yeah, uh, things were just crazy. I mean, it was it was it was an era of development, and it was quite honestly. I mean, I know we have we differ from the the opinion of this, but I think that's what really grew the sport back then. I mean. You know, a guy out of his garage that was a motocrosser could go and you know throw down at Pro Circuit or whatever else and get something that was decent and come race and have maybe a little bit of an edge. I mean, it was all the time. I mean, I, you know, when, when we started doing our own stuff and we you know we'd do a collaboration with Banky and and you know, start start to play with our own program and our own ignition stuff and whatnot and and uh, then we started porting our own cylinders and I remember we were we were we were at Supernats and it was probably 03. And I uh, had a master driver that, you know, did a lot of stuff with us. And um, so he was kind of my test driver at that point for development. Cause he's, you know, always at the racetrack with me. Who is that? Uh, Harvey, was it- uh, Martin Harvey. Oh, Martin Harvey. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. A- awesome dude. And yeah. uh, he was a great st- dude. Still friends with them. He's, you know, I think That's he's awesome. living in Singapore or somewhere's over there. Just, you know, living life. But um, yeah. So, you know we went out to Stockton and we were just hammering down on, on jet programs and ignition and everything else. And we came across something at that year before supernats. So it was like pretty amazing. Um, and, and again, you know, we're, we're always chasing that sweet tech power, right? It's always that, that powers, you know, it's there, you know, he, he had something figured out that it took us a long time to figure out. And uh, I remember sitting next to George Bankey and we were, you know, at that time, I think that was the same year, maybe that West Boswell won the KZ class and, uh, get on the back straightaway. And George, George is like, you know, you get some stuff figured out. I'm like, well, why don't you just take a look and see? And I just smoked his shit. I mean, it was like gear to gear. I mean, we were, you know, we were 10 carts ahead by the end of the straightaway. And he's like, what the hell bell? And you know, I I shared everything with them because we were, that's what the deal was, right? We shared. And, uh, it was good though. You know, it was like, it was just hard work, a lot of fun. I mean, never did you leave the racetrack disappointed that you tried everything possible. And that's where we were really successful is that, you know, we'd go to a racetrack and when the speed concept ignition stuff came out and whatnot, we were really good at it. We were really good at, you know, adapting to what the track needed for, those weekends and it really created a very drivable power plant under the driver. And I think that that's where a lot of our success drive from besides having a great chassis. I mean, you know, the track magic was an amazing chassis uh, up until the end where we started using some minus parts and whatnot that just didn't, you know, the brakes kind of went away because there was a lot of warpage and whatnot. But when we were all in the cast iron stuff that was coming out of, out of track magic's foundry plant, you know, for the skateboard stuff, it was hard to beat those go karts. I mean, they were just insane at at that time. And that you know, Tony Kart didn't hold a candle to our stuff in the shifter kart world. You know,
0: there there was uh, there was also some fun. I'll just throw this out there because you're talking kind of about the Tony Kart versus Track Magic battle. Uh, the old uh, the old seat mounts, right? The rubber puck mm. seat mounts.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all part of the innovation.
0: Oh, right? I love that. That was fun. I mean, yeah.
1: you I, there was yeah. there was a section on uh, Shifter Kart Illustrated every month yep. you were looking for it because Rob was out there taking pictures of the guys, you know, the, the next cool thing, like well, what? what it was, yeah. know, who, who'd somebody, wouldn't somebody figure out and, and Rob was going to expose it pretty quickly, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but that was cool. Right. I mean, so you, you know, if you hit the magazine and you were part of that, you know, exposure, exposure page that, w- that was pat on the back, you know, it was cool enough to get in the magazine. Right.
0: Yeah. True enough. True that. That, yeah. that was good stuff for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, <clears throat> all right. So let's, hey, let's take one more break. And when we come back, let's fast forward to where you have been for the last couple of years, because we I really want to talk about how things have changed, because it's not the same as it was back then. You're, you know, you're, the, the work you put in, the extra time isn't on that new pipe. It's not on that porting that new cylinder, whatever it may be. It's Things have changed a little bit. When we get back with Greg Bell, folks, we're going to talk about the last couple of years with Leading Edge Motorsports. This is the name that has been in this sport for over 20 years, winning championships, winning team of the year, winning races continues to do so now and off to a fantastic start in 2020 of course before we had to shut things down to deal with this uh, COVID-19 pandemic when he gets back to the track you can be guaranteed that leading edge motorsports will be going for championships again stay with us folks more to come episode number two of the book it podcast the briggs and stratton 206 engine is where out of the box ease and outstanding consistency meet to create legendary races Briggs & Stratton's history in motorsports dates back to when the first engines came off the assembly line in the early 1900s. Their focus on the grassroots level continues to help build generations of racers. Since 2008, the Briggs & Stratton 206 has gained a following that has the engine powering the largest fields in North American karting today. From the club level and track programs to traveling regional series and national events, Briggs & Stratton competition provides the most exciting racing in the sport. Engineered and hand-built exclusively for racing, every Briggs 206 engine is power-tested and serialized before it goes in the box. Carters can take that engine straight from the box to their cart and be on the podium at the end of the race day. To learn more about the 206 engine and to find a North American dealer near you, head to BriggsRacing.com. Briggs & Stratton Racing. What powers you? In Las Vegas this past November, at the Rock the Real finale and the Scusa Super Nationals, Formula K reigned supreme. Daniel Formal drove his leading-edge motorsports Formula K Evo 3 to wins in the biggest races of the year, proving the outright speed of the Formula K brand. And you can make Formula K your cart in 2020 by contacting your local dealer today. Atlanta Motorsports Park is the importer and distributor of the Formula K line, as well as the race-winning Praga chassis, and you can connect with your dealer through the AMP website. The new 2020 Formula K Monster Evo 3 is ready to ride and win. Complete with IP Karting's new STRV brake system. Follow in the footsteps of Formal and steer your own Formula K to victory lane. If a Praga is more your style, the Dragon Evo 2 is the perfect choice for single speed competition bolt on your amy x30 vortex rock or rotax max and go out and win atlanta motorsports park has both formula k and praga chassis in stock to support new dealers and they have previous year models in their inventory available for racers who are looking to get a winning chassis at a discount head to atlantamotorsportspark.com slash karting to learn more about formula k praga and amp's karting program Welcome back to episode 2 of the Book It Podcast here on the EKN Radio Network. My name is Rob Howden, joined by Greg Bell from Leading Edge Motorsports, uh, one of the powerhouse players in the top-level of the sport for almost 25 years now. All right, Greg, we we had a chance to go back into the the history books, uh, you, you know, work that memory bank a little bit, but let's let's go a little let's fast forward to where we've been for the last couple of years. The sport's obviously changing has changed over the last 10 years, the arrival of stock Honda uh, with the supercars USA program now the rock cup program making gains as well with their shifter engine package uh and the the, the full rock lineup uh let's for, first and foremost let's let's focus on what happened last November because as a team owner uh, working with dice you have you know you're you're now using the formula K and praga chassis you have a tremendous relationship with everybody at ipk uh, those fantastic chassis, and you've really dialed them in. Obviously, you're, you're essentially a factory-supported team here uh, in North America. What is Let's let's just hone in, then we'll expand. Hone in on that month of November. You and Danny Formel, obviously a very formidable uh, crew. He's moved on to another team, but you guys end up having a big victory at the Rock the Rio in the lead rock shifter class. And then you go to the supernats where you've had success before and he's able to win the KZ category against the world champion, uh, on the, uh, at, at the Rio. Let's just, what are your thoughts right now? If I, if I just throw that out there, what first comes to mind about the month of November?
1: Amazing. I mean, <laughs> bre- breathtaking. Um, it's just, Dan- Danny and I, since about 2011, when I saw the kid on, on the market, you know, doing Florida winter tour stuff, and whatnot, you know, he's a super likable kid, parents, super nice. And, um, I remember it was 2013 and I was there with the team out of, with, with a different banner I and mean, I wasn't running leading edge motorsports. So I was doing the super tuners Inc deal, which is a tuning company that we started. And I had a kid there from, uh, Venezuela and he, you know, we were struggling a little bit and we were on, you know, we were tuning Tony Kart product, I think, or maybe it was cosmic cool team out of Venezuela. I mean, they had, you know, that was back when the Venezuelan money was flowing and you know, money was no object. And, uh, so we always had new stuff at the track. And, and I think we were at, uh, pretty sure we were, we were at Moroso and, you know, the kid's struggling a little bit and not bad, but I'm just like, eh, the car has more in it. I know it does, but, you know, he doesn't understand how to explain it because he's, you know, not really used to the big time stuff. So yep. Danny's walking across the paddock and I looked at Danny. I'm like, Hey, do you have a couple of minutes just to, you know, shoe this thing at the next, next session? And he goes, yeah, I'll do that for you. Greg jumps into a suit, goes out. I mean, goes number one by, you know, I don't know how many tents comes in and he goes, it's perfect. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, and that was, but that was it. Right. So, yeah. and then I, you know, from then to that, that time on, from like 2011 on, we, you know, we, I would always help him, you know, I'd go over to his dad and be like, Hey, you know what, you know, I think you're missing this and, and you know, try to help him tune a little bit, you know, cause it was a father son deal. I mean, super good father son deal, yeah. but you know, it's always good to have a second set of eyes. So, you know, it was always Danny and I's, uh, hopes that we would one day be able to, Race together because we knew what you know what 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 the potential was, and um, in 20, 2018, he was at the Rock Worlds, and I was supposed to have um, Jeremy Iglesias come and race at the Rock the Rio, and you know had it all worked out and everything, and then there was a conflict. And I mean, just like, dude, I've already got the entry paid. I got the engines ordered. I mean, what do you want me to do to IPK? And he's like, well, I see this kid at the world's, this Danny Formal kid. He goes, but he's from Florida or, or maybe living in Costa Rica, but from Florida, he goes, what do you think? I'm like, well, what are you willing to do? And we worked a deal out. So we ran, uh, rock three on supernats in, um, 18 and that was the beginning of 2019 because we put it on pole at rock the Rio. First time I ever built a rock shifter engine, throw it on pole. I had uh, a good dear friend of mine, Alan McLean out of the UK that helped me in 2013 uh, with super tuners. Inc. came in, you know, flew a few of those guys in and whatnot. You know, you need to pull quality mechanic from wherever you could because they were all in use at that time. And uh, so Alan's working on them and somehow or another, before qualifying, I'm like, let's put a new plug in it there and, you know, drawer three, blah, blah, blah. Well, somehow or another, and Alan didn't know, he. I told him what box to pick up, picks it up, uh, pulls a plug out of it, puts it in. Well, it's a BR-10-EG, not a B-10-EG. And we get through qualifying, we go to tech, everything's fine, they look at the plug, and we're done. DQ'd, right? Ouch! Yeah, And Alan's like, dude, I mean, I said, it's not your fault. I should have checked it. My fault. No problem. And, uh, and I said, you know, next time we know, right. I mean, that's just what it is. And I remember like it was yesterday. I mean, you got this kid, Danny's like, we're fine, Greg. I'm like, it's okay that we're, I mean, but it would have been nice to be on pole. Right. And the kid goes from, I think 36 or 38 that year, having to start dead last. We we're in 12 laps. We get to second. I mean, our shit is on fire. Right. And again, I only have one engine Like built one engine for the deal. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm like, you know, I'm liking this program because, you know, we're pretty fast right out of the box. Right. And, uh, by the end of the weekend, we were lacking a little bit of power. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm with you. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so we're lacking a little bit of power, and I think it was Saturday night and or Friday night. Who so did was Friday night. We were, we talked the tech guys into letting us put a piston in because there was a little bit of gravel marks on top of the piston, and um, so we had a fresh piston for Saturday. We got through Saturday's races, and at the last race of the day on Saturday, Danny made the comment. He goes, "It's getting weak again." I'm like, "What the hell." But we still had everybody covered. We were still good. I mean, we we're you know definitely class of the of the weekend. And um, and then all of a sudden Mateus puts on a fresh one, right? And all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere for the last heat race, wins it, I think. And I'm like, we're in trouble. I mean, Danny's like, yeah, we need to put another piston in this thing. And uh, we realized early on that you can't run one of those engines for a full weekend on kill. Right. You needed to baby it early on in order to have a great engine at the end, but that was the deal. So we ended up second that year. Right. And, you know, Danny and I are both pretty, uh, discouraged because of the show we put on. Yeah. And, uh, I got to tell you, the kid has a heart bigger than any lion that's in this world. I mean, there's only two kids, only two that'll do things that I've raced all, all 20 something years. That I can look back on and be like, they, they have something that it's hard to have. I mean, Mike McDowell in 2001, we're in Phoenix yeah, and he slows down, he just slows down like six tenths of a second, middle (laughs) of the race.
0: Dude, I tell this story all the time.
1: And, and I'm like, you know, and, and, and I was a hard ass because our shit was always fast. Right. So I, I get, he gets in and I'm like, I looked at him I'm like, what was that all about? You know, I'm thinking he got tired. Right. And he gets out and I like, no, I mean, both of his ass cheeks looked like a tiger got to him and just ripped him apart. Yeah. Uh, and he, goes, he goes, the seat tabs broke like halfway through. I'm like,
0: why didn't you pull in? Hey, do you he know goes, what that was, dude? Hey, do you know what that was? That was the last
1: chance qualifier. It, it could have been. And, yep. and he,
0: and he qualified through cause he was the last guy in the uh, last guy. He was the transfer spot, broke the seat tabs that wore through his seat. Uh. It wore through his suit and it was an apple sized, like, just absolute, like, you took a cheese grater to that his just butt. bad. I mean, I was Dude. just
1: like, my butt puckered so bad when I saw that. I tell, that,
0: like, I tell that story all the time. Michael McDowell, a rock star. That's you amazing. know,
1: so he tells me, right? He tells me, he goes, he goes there was no way I was going to let my first opportunity driving for Leading Edge Motorsports <laughs> to get canned. Yeah. I'm like, no, no issues. And then Danny from Al. I mean, the kid just... Never gives up. I mean, he constantly, constantly, you know, just gives it 120%. I mean, you know, he's a big kid. I mean, you know, in order to make weight, he's literally starving himself the month in between rounds in order to pull off another six ounces, you know, another half a pound. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. But anyway, so that was the deal. And so we got, you know, in our 2019 and, um, I mean, a story kind of, you know, we tried to do a, a deal with Arias duke Majin, uh, came out hard at the first round of the Florida Winter Tour, or no, Florida Winter Tour, uh, SCUSA Winter Series, and tag, you know, qualified off pole both days, ended up third because he wasn't getting good starts against, you know, probably two of the best in the world, which, you know, um, one of the kids, you know, now drives for Tony Carr, but at the time, he, yeah. was, he was driving for uh, KR, you know, and won multiple world championships, you know, so, you know, our, I, I believe, and we're proving it now in 2020 that I was right. Our product was at the top of the game. I mean, it still is today. The Praga chassis is that, I mean, there's not a lot better. I can tell you that. I mean, if you look at what Oliver Calvo is doing in 2020 mm-hmm. and what we did at the first round, And then, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what happened with Arias. I mean, we lost a little bit of of pace and we had, and we couldn't find it again. So just don't really know what that is, but um, it is what it was. And and we had, you know, spectacular time at Florida winter tour in 2019 with Danny and the, and the the team that we took there. And I, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I think I'm just kind of blessed to, you know, work my ass off and continue to be able to put the right drivers in the position to be able to win races.
0: Yeah. And it just, it just seemed that, that the connection with you and, and Danny kind of really, really set up for that, that huge November, right. Where you guys roll yeah. in, uh, we're able to win, uh, the rock, the Rio big win, of course, for Danny there. And then a couple of weeks later, Again, against we're talking about against the, against the world champion, right, Marion Kremer's. Yeah. You guys are able to come in and win KZ, the international category, and there's a lot of other top international drivers in that field, and and not only win, but really midway through the race, grab a hold of it and and essentially dominate at the end.
1: Yeah, so we were on cloud nine, leaving obviously leaving after winning Rock the Rio, yeah. um, spectacular win, a um, lot of rivalry there, you know between a couple of teams and ourselves and to be able to leave there with, you know, the W was pretty amazing. Kind of proved, proved a lot, you know, to what our hard work was paying off for. And then, uh, I remember it like it was yesterday, Rob. I mean, I'm driving home, uh, Danny's flying out of Vegas. I'm driving home on Sunday and I think Alan's looking at, uh, Facebook or Instagram. And he's like, Greg, look at this. And there was an Instagram post by SCUSA and, uh, not sure what party is SCUSA and it doesn't really matter because it lit a fire under my ass (laughs) that, um, basically stated that, is it really a win if you're not winning against the world champions that will be at SCUSA 2019, whatever. And I've, you know, I've got to save. So it's not, it's not hypothetical. It was posted (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) And and it's okay. I mean that's that's the kind of cool stuff, right? I mean that's okay. Yeah. And uh yeah. so we were all set to run one hundred seventy five. And you know, of course when you're a team and you're paying for when you're paying for drivers to drive, right? It's not you know, it's not just flying them in or anything like that. I mean, all those weekends would be, you know, between six and eight thousand dollars mm-hmm. to race Danny to be able to race against the best of the best and prove the product line, right? And, uh, I called Danny right away. Cause he hasn't flown out yet. And I'm like, get on Instagram and just see, make sure I'm not reading this wrong. <laughs> and he's like, are you kidding me? He goes, they're taking, I mean, they're literally going to take our win away at the Rio. Like we didn't race against anybody quality. I'm like, it's kind of the way I'm reading it. I said, but you know, now we have to, now we have to step our game up because I said, I know our chassis is good enough to win it, but we need to find, we need to find some power because standard stuff's not going to work. And, uh, I immediately put an email into Luis at, uh, Tony cart because he had offered, um, KZ stuff, but I'm like, i I can't afford to do that. You know? I mean, it's just, that's ridiculous. And, uh, I had to, because I, I wasn't going to be called out and not go after it. Right. Just doesn't yeah. work that way with me. And, um, <laughs>
0: Mission so, accomplished. Yeah, yeah. So
1: got a yeah. hold of Luis and made some made some good deals and had a really good KZ program as far as the power plant goes. And it was really easy to work with those guys from Vortex. They were super, super helpful in our in our pit looking at data every single session, getting the motor just a little bit more perfect. You know, together we got it tuned the way it needed to be for Vegas. And uh main event showed it. And I can tell you that um, that race wasn't taken lightly. I mean, I brought Jared Wolf in in order to spin the wrenches because again, you don't have a lot of people in the sport that you trust that can do what you do. Um, and I respect, all. I mean, I respect all the mechanics. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying that nobody's as good as me. I just, I mean, that was a, that was a big deal. Right. So, I mean, Jared didn't turn a wrench wrong at the at, at the Rock the Rio, and he wasn't supposed to be at Vegas. I'm like, what's going to take to get you in Vegas? Because he had a full time job too. He goes, let me talk to my boss. And it made it happen. You know, like so, all the chips fell into place within you know 24 hours of leaving Rock the Rio to put the program together to go, you know, be do what we didn't at, at K in KZ. And you know, I I had a conversation. You know, I I don't know. That an independent team, and, you know, I know you say that we're, you know, part of the factory program of IPK, and we have a very close relationship with them. And we do get a lot of latitude to do the things that we want to do. I mean, you know, the chassis in America are not the same chassis they race in Europe. They're just not. And, you know, every good cart manufacturer that has been um, successful. They tweaked the chassis for America. It's just a different, it's a different everything. Our tires are different. Our power is different. Our track surfaces are different. So everybody looks at me like you're on special stuff. I'm like, I'm not on special stuff. We sell what we race. Everything I have in stock is what we race on. That's period. We've developed it to a point where honestly, I don't think that there's much better than it out there. Um, And if there is, okay, it's not much better. I mean, it, I think we have a, a really good proven package, yeah. no matter what engine we put on it.
0: So uh, let's talk about the fact that, uh well, let's talk about how you are mentally over the last five laps of that Super Sunday main event. You're talking $10,000 uh, waiting at, at, at the end. You're talking about, obviously about the glory, about being called out on Instagram and essentially uh, dropping them the victorious middle finger. A lot of you called me. I called me out. We're here. We're going to do this thing. Uh, when Danny crossed the line, come out of the final corner, just try to put into words the emotion for you. 20 something years after winning the world finals, winning with, with Trevor McAllister, uh, getting the team of the year that, that year at the super Nats, everything that you guys have done, where does that stack up and talk, ta- talk to me about the emotion when he came across the line and it was done.
1: Um, I've never had a rival ever in this sport. I We've all worked well together. There's never been pointing fingers or, I mean, I I pride myself in making sure that, you know, no bridge is ever burnt kind of deal. Yeah. So the deal with SCUSA and them calling me out all year long, not supporting their deal and whatnot, I mean, it was strictly because we didn't have our program ready with the 175. Danny and I were going to go drive a 175 program. I mean, we did it in Indy, uh, realized that we're not where we need to be with this engine package. And, you know, we weren't going to, I mean, it's just, that was the first opportunity we got to race it and it didn't turn out the way we would have liked it. Understood. And, and, uh, you know, so when the SCUSA deal happened and they called us out, um, you know, my first and my first deal was, okay, game on. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, I was trying to get, and I think Tom knew that if he got me an entry into the 175 deal, because by now we have our program ready to be able to run up front with 175. And then if our stuff wasn't good enough, we had Fisher there backing the deal to put his power on because his deal backed down to where we had a pretty good, you know, had pretty good power opportunity, either our stuff or Fisher stuff. Um We talked to Sweet Tech. They didn't want to do anything because Danny supposedly damages everything he drives, which I haven't had that issue all year long. Uh, uh, So anyway, um, you know, so, you know, going into that race, there was a lot of cards on the table, obviously a lot of money on on the line. Um, I've tried really, really, really hard to get a 175 entry put together. And tried to work with Tom and he just was, he just wouldn't budge, you know, and I was paying the entry. I just didn't want to pay the penalty, right? Yeah. And I'll pay the entry, but I don't want to, you know, it cost me, because I didn't get in on time because we we switched gears last minute to go do the KZ deal. And by the time I got home Sunday night from Rock the Rio, they closed the entry deal down. So okay. it cost $1,800 to enter Danny into KZ for a supernat. So I'm like, I can't do that again. I mean, I'm already on the limit, right? Um, so when we crossed the line, obviously financially, you know, my heart was pounding because it was a it was a big help to the to the budget. Yeah, right. To be to be honest with you, Rob, I mean, that not because Tom called me out, not because there's any animosity. I mean, I love the guy to death. He's doing what he needs to do in order to protect his brand, and I totally respect that. I just wish he had an understanding that nobody's out to get him. We're all out to just go racing. That's the bottom line. But at the end of the day, I'm on the phone. Well, I'm pacing like a, you know, I might as well have been my daughter's in the delivery room and I'm, you know, pacing back and forth, making, you know, nothing's going to fall off. You know, you're thinking about all the stuff you did in the prep and who you have to do what and, you know, no, no, no failures. Right. Um, And I I remember it was like three to go and um, a couple of people are up in the stands and they were watching me and I kind of felt like a fool because my heart was pounding like an absolute, I mean, I, not heart attack mode, but I mean, I was getting yeah. pretty excited, I'm a very emotional guy anyway. And, uh, the first person I called when he crossed the finish line, well, actually crossed in front of me by the deal. And I knew that, you know, barring a failure that we were winning Yeah. and like a dominant win, not like we barely made it. It was like, you know, we had a pretty good lead, um, was my wife, Molly. And I said, honey, I said, I've done a lot of shit in this sport and I've had a lot of fun, but I just won the biggest race in the fucking world because it's bigger than the KZ world championships. It's, you know, cause not everybody's at the KZ world championships. You had the world champions and runner up. And I think top five, you had three of the top five of the worlds at this race. I mean, that was a huge accomplishment and kind of like, you know, another check off the old bucket list of accompl- accomplishing what you can. Um, It was pretty damn cool. That's all I can say.
0: Great. Yeah, I I remember seeing your face obviously afterwards as well, and it's uh, to be able to do something like that, to be able to to knock out that particular thing, to be able to win the Supernats at that level in that particular category as well, right? You're talking about an international category, yeah. Uh, it's just an absolute tremendous deal. So, all right, Greg. So you you got that done. Uh, you go into the off season. You're like, okay, we got momentum. I'm sure you would have liked to have stayed with Danny. He ended up going in another direction to to, to you know chase his race car dreams, which yep. is obviously understandable. Then you come out of the gate. Let's so let's just wrap this whole pod, this this book and podcast up with a talk of t- 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 today and the you know the the future that you see coming right now. Because out of the gate, you go from you go from this veteran driver Danny Formal to this young talent Oliver Calvo, and there's other guys under your tent. I only want to say it's just Oliver. You've right. got some great young drivers in the Mini and Micro class too, right. which are going to be your your, your, your future. But you get this Oliver Calvo kid running in the Challenge of the Americas. And damn if he doesn't just go out and essentially put on a show and smoke everybody on your product again to continue the momentum.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, that all started at Supernats. You know, we did a deal with him and his family um, through another one of our longtime racers. Uh, Chad Eisert called me. He's like, you know, Calvo might be looking. And I'm like, man, the kid's pretty good. You know, (laughs) um, so, you know, I said, you know, I Facebooked him like, Hey, you know, would you like to come in and talk? And he's like, yeah, I can do that. And we made a deal before, uh, streets of Lancaster. He's finishing off the year on his, uh, on his, on his, his past, you know, obligation. And then we, you know, we showed up to supernats with no, well, one test, one test weekend. So we went out and we won without me being there. We did. I tuned it over the phone but we won at uh, LAKC um at Calspeed against probably one of the I would say one of the best drivers there now which would be Billy Musgrave. I agree, I mean, that I guy kno- that guy knows that track, you know, like it's his own bed, you know. I mean, it's very true. Drive it backwards, he doesn't it just he's he's a phenomenal driver. And uh we pulled the win off. I'm like and you know and he was on the he, and he was on, you know, the the stuff that, you know, um he was on a Super Nats. I mean, that go-kart and, I, and I'm kind of drawing a blank because I don't really f- keep all that stuff at the front of my mind. But
0: That's yeah, fine. We'll
1: anyway, so he's on a good go-kart. Let's just put it that way. Been dominant on it. So we're like, man, that's pretty good, you know. And then uh, put a brand new car together for Super Nats. Brand new 2020 material. Um, you know, I think Calvo goes out and qualifies off pole maybe. I mean, something I, like that. I, I it, was, yep. it was up front. I mean, definitely in the yep. top five. And, uh, it was, that was right when it was, you know, again, you know, we really had to have our game together because it was starting to dry and we had to get the right setup on the car to do what he needed it to do after, after morning warmup. And, uh, it's, it's super nuts. I mean, and we had a car that could win. I mean, we were down a little bit on shoot speed. Um, in my opinion, I think we had a little too much gear on it for the main event. Um, but, I mean, of getting taken out on the last lap in the chicane we would have definitely finished in the top five um oliver made a bit of a mistake i think going into the you know the 180 in front of the stands i think he went high thinking he was going to be able to you know have a momentum run off the corner and he just got tanked i mean he was freight trained he made some of it up in the next corner and then going into the chicane i think one of the kids behind him didn't even use the brakes i mean just plowed right over and we were out. So, you know, we didn't really show what we should have shown there. Um with Oliver and another kid with big heart, man. I mean, he doesn't want to lose. Pretty cool. Yeah. And uh so then we go into this year, right? And his KA program is, you know, with P one is is pretty solid. I mean I don't think there's there's not much out there that is better for sure. And uh I mean you know we go into um again, right? First gp i built you know with oliver is what he he ran at uh tucson and then he's got his k uh ka with p1 and uh you know we had to work on the gp a little bit we had some issues with the power valve and whatnot so that's a little a little bit of a sticking issue but we got it right for the main event and uh saturday um we had a rock stuck in the intake right doesn't want to doesn't want to go for the for the pre-final so where are we starting the final at? we're starting last i mean ridiculous right but it is what it is pull the reed cage out and there's a you know there's a dime dime-sized rock stuck in the reed cage yeah it's not going to start okay and uh let's get that fixed to get it ready prepped, ready to rock and roll so wins ka goes out drops a nose after you know i mean there wasn't a big field there i think there's eight or ten or whatever in tucson and uh you know so we finished whatever we finished, but it wasn't, you know, he dropped, he pulled in right after he dropped the nose. Cause there's no reason to stay at, keep it out there. And then we, I think we ended up winning on Sunday with both yep. classes. Phenomenal. I mean, I just, you know, my new favorite driver this year. Right. And, yeah, right. uh, and, uh, you know, so then we go to the next round, which is, you know, Cal speed. And I knew that was going to be a bit, a bit different race because, you know, a lot more people from the LA area know the track mm-hmm. on it a lot. And, uh, you know, I think we would have double, I think we would have won, you know, swept it again if we wouldn't have put wet tires on for the main event in the, you know, and somebody, the one person with dry tires comes through and, you know, dominates the field, which was pretty awesome for that decision because it was, it was the right decision. And we all kind of got schooled out there. <laughs> um, And then we ended up double heading it again on Sunday. And now we're in this long hiatus that COVID-19 offers us that, we just don't know what's gonna happen or when it's gonna be able to finish it off. But um, you know, we have big plans for the rest of twenty nineteen. I just hope that it'll come back and we can start racing again.
0: Well, the, the the beauty of it is is that you know you got a driver and you know you have the the material, right? It's yeah, that's the key, right? Yeah, you, you know you have it. You have the ingredients to have all the success you need, which is great. Now, okay. So <clears throat> let's wrap this thing up. What's what's the future? for leading edge motorsports and Greg, Greg Bell look like you obviously had the passion the the fight last year, you talked about the emotion after winning at the supernats, the, the passion, the emotion to be able to, to go after these wins is still there. You're getting into the, into the engine building world. I know you're keeping busy at the shop right now, working on engines again. This is yeah. uh, it sounds like there's, there's some cool stuff coming in the future.
1: Yeah. So, you know, over the years, you kind of come in and out of scenarios or opportunities or whatever. And, um, you know, when the X30 thing hit the market, you know, we had probably one of the best, uh, MY09 junior and senior packages that were on the market at the time. Um, George Russell should have had two wins. We had one win in a second at, at Supernats on our power with George Russell in, uh, I think 11 and 12. And when the, and when the X30 thing came out and the way that it was built and everything, I mean, it kind of it was the next limiter of, what you could create, right? Okay. Because everything was, you know, ultra stamped and you couldn't, you just couldn't, you know, it was an assembly process versus, you know, create a creation. Okay. So I just it kind of decided I was, you know, I was tired of customers always blaming the power and it's always the power, always the power. And it's like, you know, they can drive like a monkey and still it's the power. Uh, you know, it's all, and there's three pieces to the puzzle. It doesn't matter what you're, you're doing. So anyway, I, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I ended up buying strolls, super high dollar dyno, and it's taken me a while to get it up and running just because it's such a mega investment. And, um, so we're almost ready to, you know, fire that thing up and get it running. But in the meantime, we've been, you know, working really, really hard. I mean, our at, at our rock shifter program. And now with the GP stuff, I think, you know, we're just kind of ready to prove the world that we're, you know, we're back in the game. Um, and you know, I don't know how big that's going to be. I don't know if that's just going to be for the team or it's going to be, you know, building stuff for everybody. Because one thing I've noticed that's different is there's not a lot of loyalty in the market today. Um, people are really quick to grab something and go, Instead of, yeah. you know, used to be a, used to be more of a, you know, I mean, really a, a, an appreciation for what you created for them.
0: Everybody was in it, in it together, right? Yeah.
1: So I'm not so sure that I want to, you know, just give everything away and I'm not the type of engine builder that will not do it a hundred percent if I sign you onto the program. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, you know, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it's kind of where I'm at in uh in life you know have accomplished a lot of things built a lot of cool stuff won a lot of races and that doesn't happen because we don't have a keen sense of the entire package that you're driving right it's not because we're just really good at chassis stuff it's not because we don't know how to read data i mean it's because we know how to do everything really good yeah. and um that's what you know that you, you need to keep that close to home i mean if you taught everybody what you know you'd Be out of
0: business. (laughs) That's exactly true. All right, Greg. So the future is uh Formula K, Praga, great drivers, leading edge motorsports. And you got young, like I said, you got some young drivers coming in the micro and mini categories as well, which is always exciting, right? When you can work with the kids and and potentially bring one up from the from the very, very initial classes within the program.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool. So, you know, it's really fun and you know, the biggest thing with working with a cadet driver is very rewarding. Um got a couple of you know really good you know national quality drivers that are currently on the team we've got a few more coming up for the kpx series that are going to work with us and uh you know cypress andrews and and uh casey moyer both you know the cypress is like he's a little rock star at nine years old um definitely more to come out of him already i think we've already got a couple of seconds at, at on and then i think we you know It's going to be good. And then uh, Casey, we did just amazing work with last year at, at, uh, Rock Sonoma and, uh, kind of like he kind of popped out of his shell and, you know, it's become something that, um, will win races. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's just when it's just, when is he going to be able to do it on a national scene? You know, we're at rock, 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 the Rio with Casey and you kind of lose track. We had a lot of stuff going on at, at rock the Rio. And, uh, you know, Casey and his dad were working together and, you know, we brought two sets of brand new tires, you know, we were supposed to put them on after the third session on uh Wednesday. So we had fresh rubber for the rest of the afternoon and, you know, it's Thursday or Wednesday, no Thursday. And, you know, I think we did, uh, we qualified on Thursday, I believe for rock the Rio and you no, know, we qualified Friday morning. So Thursday afternoon, I'm like going, what is going on here? Casey, you, I mean. So I'm watching video. I'm like, man, kiddo, I mean, we need to get on our brake program. And he goes out and he goes, Greg, I'm trying hard, as hard as I can. He goes, it's just, there's some, you know, and so we went over everything and I asked his dad, I'm like, when did we put the new tires on? He goes, well, we haven't yet. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> okay. My fault though, because I wasn't, I mean, I should have, I should have told him it's like time to put the new tires on, even though we talked about it. I didn't confirm it. Right. Yep. So, um, we finished our last session. I changed, uh, the brake pickup point for him. I worked with him on his braking. I can tell that he's driving the wheels off this thing and he's super deep into the corner, but it's just, the time's just not there. And I'm just like, what is going on? The motor looks good. Everything looks good on the data. Everything. I'm like, There's, we're missing something. And that's when we realized, no, you know, tires from the last Sanzaro race. And it's okay. Well, we messed up. Kid will be okay in the morning. Goes out in the morning, goes number four fast. There you go. <laughs> right. And uh, and then we just got a bad hiccup in qualifying and, you know, end of story because you can't qualify poorly there and come out of the pack. Right. Yeah, but yeah, so I, all of our drivers across the board, um, I'm pretty excited about. I think that they all have a lot of future and a lot of uh, potential to uh, succeed for themselves, you know in 2020
0: folks when we go back to racing here in the 2020 season leading edge motorsports and greg bell most definitely will be at the front of the pack Uh, this is a guy who for the last 20 plus years uh, has been a a core component a foundation shop and team in, in north american karting he's won about everything you can obviously win uh the pro moto tour wins back in the day momo grand prix you look at the names of drivers who have been with him trevor McAllister, bobby wilson michael mcdowell uh, Ronnie White, as I said, most recently guys like Danny Formal, a fantastic lineup of drivers. This guy knows his stuff, whether it's data, whether it's chassis, whether it's engine building. A first class uh, inaugurated into the Supercar USA Hall of Fame along legendary names like Don Janowski, Jim Early, and Alan Rudolph. Uh, Greg Bell, thank you so much for joining me, my friend. Good luck in 2020. Hopefully we can get back to the racetrack soon, but uh, just the bottom line is a flat out over, overwhelming congratulations on 20-plus awesome years in our sport and uh, looking forward to many, many more, my friend.
1: Thanks, Rob. I really appreciate it, and uh, it's been a pleasure re- reliving the past.
0: Yeah. we really, always got to learn from the past and continue to move forward. Folks, uh, a tremendous opportunity here on the second edition of the Book It podcast, Greg Bell from Leading Edge Motorsports. Folks, thank you so much for tuning into this edition of the podcast. I do appreciate it. Lots more to come here on the EKN Radio Network. My name's Rob Howden. Bye for now.